Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. My name is Clint, and I, I met Douglas through the internet um, when I was thinking about uh, traveling to Vietnam, and I typed in the words in the search engine, gay in Vietnam, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And lo and behold... I don't fit that picture, I don't think, do I? <laughs> well, then we get the wrong speaker today, you know. Uh, 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 what, what Douglas, what I learned subsequently is, is that, correct me if I, if, I, if I get this wrong, is that Douglas has an organization, or I think he operates on his own, where he goes ahead and uh, goes to Vietnam uh, on a regular basis and, and provides all sorts of... Uh, literature and information to the gay community there. He works with the gay community there. He, he brings lots of AIDS prevention information, and he brings um, uh, condoms there, which apparently are, are a short supply over there. And um, Douglas is going to talk to that today about just his various activities there and, and what the community is like and, and answer any questions you might have about that. So I'll turn it over to Douglas right now. Thank you. Thank you. Clint asked me actually a very long time ago to be here, and I apologize for taking so long. I'm glad to see so many people here. Um, most of what I want to talk to you about today is is the AIDS situation in Vietnam and and some of the things that I've been doing there. I've been going to Southeast Asia for about 25 years, and I've been living half the year, more or less, in Thailand for the past five years, um, where I have also been involved in in some of the AIDS efforts there. Um, AIDS is, in, in Thailand, as you probably know, an enormous problem, um, and it's an enormous regional problem. And unfortunately, there is not the same infrastructure in developing countries uh, to raise money and and organize grassroots efforts to solve social problems like that. Um, I became personally involved with this work about 10 years ago when, like most of you who are my age, who have lived here for a very long time, um, began to lose most of my friends um, and became very angry and I looked for a creative, personal way to do something um, positive about this thing that was taking the people I was to grow old with away from me. Um, for a very long time, I have, as a hobby, been growing orchids. And nine years ago, I started a group here in San Francisco called Orchid Mania, which was uh, a group of mostly gay men who uh, grew orchids for a hobby um, and who, like me, wanted to do something with their 
their hobby to, to deal with AIDS. Um, we had nine years ago, next week, in fact, um, the first world's largest orchid garage sale in a little alley behind my house. Um, we, mostly contributed plants from our own collections, although we had quite a number of plants that first year from um, many commercial donors, including quite a few in Asia. Um, and in two days, under the blazing sun, um, with very little publicity, we raised $9,000 for the AIDS Emergency Fund. Um, that organization has grown now to a an enormous annual event, Mother's Day weekend. Um, last year we raised just about $60,000 in two days, and we have other sales um, during the year. And the money we raise, incidentally, is all from donated plants, and, the, uh, and we distribute the money to primarily grassroots uh, AIDS prevention uh, organizations that don't qualify for mainstream funding. Um, programs that deal with children or needle exchange programs or, or efforts that because they don't meet um, traditional guidelines just have a hard time getting money from, from the government or from uh, umbrella programs like um, um, what's the name of that organization that takes money out of your paycheck and besides the IRS no, United Way, thank you um, um, this group has grown now to include a, a chapter in Miami which has just started and which we're all very excited about because about 40% of the, the plants that that we sell to people to make this money with um, came from Thailand and Taiwan. Uh, I decided about five years ago that I should probably go over there and and meet the people involved and better familiarize myself with what was happening in in the AIDS world there. Um, very quickly, I learned after meeting people who were doing frontline AIDS work in, in Thailand that, that first of all, they needed money, which was always a big problem because they don't have United Way and they don't have Ryan White funds. Um, and they don't have a lot of the advantages that we have. They don't have the infrastructure that we have built here. Um, and they, at the same time, may have um, very ingeniously developed programs, but at the same time, they all lacked organizational skills um, with outreach and with um, just running and staffing an office, writing grants, um, things like that. Um, without planning to do this, I became an instant consultant. Um, and I have been there ever since. Um, working primarily with three groups in Thailand, 
um, and now with a group in Vietnam. Three years ago, uh, I went really for a vacation for a week just to see what Vietnam was like. I had been there 25 years ago during the war. Um, I had been an anti-war activist at the time, and I um, had been very curious about what was really going on there. And, and I had been doing some work in Thailand and decided just to spend a few days in Saigon and was unceremoniously kicked out of the country on the second day. So I've always wanted to go back and, and see what the place was really like. And I did the three years ago and really fell in love with the country and with the people um, and with the future. Um, of Vietnam. 60% of the people have been born since the war. So the war virtually doesn't even exist there anymore. Um, it's, a, it's a very surprisingly modern, very optimistic place. People have um, a lot of hope. And in the years since the end of their economic isolation, uh, they are trying very hard to fit in with the rest of the world. I began to meet people involved with AIDS work um, in Vietnam, as I had done initially in Thailand. And, and I found that it was a very, very different picture there than um, what I had first found in, in Thailand and, and Cambodia. Um, AIDS in Vietnam has um, developed entirely differently than anywhere else in the world. Uh, thanks, really, to the, the isolation that, that they endured politically and economically for, for many years, they, um, they weren't influenced in the same way by, uh, by a transient population by um, visitors carrying a disease from one place to another uh, or from their own people traveling outside of the country. Um, I found that, that there are a large number of IV drug users um, who initially were transmitting HIV uh, through shared needles and that had found its way into the larger heterosexual population. And that unlike here, where the pandemic really developed entirely backwards from Vietnam, gay men were just um, a very, very small part of the picture. That is changing. Uh, and I decided three years ago that, that my calling really was was there, and I began to look for a group of people who um, would be interested in in really risking their freedom um, to do underground work, to to do outreach work with with many, many, many gay and bisexual men, um, particularly in Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City. Um, I was very unsuccessful for a long time until I met a 
group of what here you might call community activists. They are really the first people in in Vietnam who are beginning to adapt the same kind of gay lifestyle that we have here. Um, just to regress a little bit, the the concept of, of homosexuality um, is uh, the practice of homosexuality and bisexuality in Vietnam is is very very widespread. There are many 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 men having sex with other men. However, the the concept of gay as we know it here um, as a lifestyle just simply doesn't exist. Um, there are probably in Saigon hundreds of thousands of of married men with families who who uh, have sex with other men outside of their marriages. Um, but in the past five years, there are there has been a, a change, and there's a younger generation of of men who are um, changing their attitude about their sexuality, who are becoming uh, more liberated, who are adopting lifestyles like we are used to seeing here, um, who have no plans to marry, and who um, are creating a sense of community. The sense of community is, is very important there because in Vietnamese culture, everything is family. It's the center of, of their whole world, is their family. And, and Gay men there are beginning for the very first time to create their own family unit. Um, AIDS has not been, until the past couple of years, a very big issue among gay men because it's it started, as I said, from IV drug users. It's moved into uh, the mainstream heterosexual population. And because so many men there are bisexual, um, there is an, an increasing amount of of men-to-men transmission. At the very same time, because the country has become much more open in the, fa- the past really three or four years, um, and because of the economic opportunities that the country offers to... Um, the outside world, and because it's a cheap place to go lay on a beach, a lot of visitors are traveling there. And for the very first time, we're seeing um, sex tours, um, both gay and straight, and a lot of gay men going to meet um, wonderful, young, attractive uh, Vietnamese guys. And an amazing thing seems to happen when they step off the airplane. Visitors there seem to leave everything that they ever learned about safe sex at home. Um, They have arrived in the land of the virgins. Um, Vietnamese men look very, very young. Um, Vietnamese people are very warm and friendly. They're eager to meet visitors People will walk up to you on the street if you're a stranger and strike up a conversation. They're incredibly friendly. They're very warm, despite all the things that the outside world did to them. Um, and it's very easy to to meet people there and and 
become involved um, romantic, romantically and sexually. Um, so, in recent years, this openness to visitors has brought uh, an enormous escalation in um, HIV infection among men who have sex with men. One of the big problems that we're facing there is that the government does not officially recognize um, that they have any homosexuals in their country. Um, during the period of economic isolation, uh, a doctor whose name I forget and it's not important wrote in a public statement that, that homosexuals, uh, homosexuality in Vietnam was a fashion and that um, if any men were actually having sex with men, it, it was something that they were pretending to do. And that, that official attitude remarkably has stuck there. Um, and although though the government is very enlightened, remarkably enlightened about dealing with the HIV problem in their, in their country, um, they steadfastly refuse to publicly acknowledge that they have a gay population that is entitled to the same education and the same rights to treatment as other people. This is naturally going to become a very big problem there. Um, so two years ago, I was really happy to meet a group of people there who were really willing to do something about, about this. Uh, there is a, a small underground group of about 50 volunteers in Ho Chi Minh City who are doing um, primarily street outreach, going on their motorbikes at night to um, cruising areas. They're very big, very, very busy cruising areas at night. Um, and these guys hand out whatever they can get their hands on. If they have condoms, if they have literature, um, they're available to people they meet, but mostly they just talk. Um, they are growing their organization through peer counseling and by training um, people who become interested in their work. Um, there are many, many, many male sex workers, um, and these are the backbone of this organization, um, guys who work in brothels and um, guys who work for themselves. Um, we've learned that among the quarter million or so uh, men in Saigon who have sex with other men on a very regular basis that only about 40% of them use condoms. Um, lubricant doesn't exist there. Um, while the government and while outside non-government organizations like CARE um, and the United Nations um, 
have very well developed programs that 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 deal with AIDS prevention issues. Um, all of these programs are aimed at women uh, because AIDS is treated as a gynecological problem there. Um, it's something men shouldn't bother with, can't talk about. So that leaves um, gay men pretty much out in the dark and pretty much left out of um, the official and the and the imported programs that are, are dealing with the problem there, which is growing. Um, for the most part, the government has looked the other way as far as my group is concerned. The concept of, of uh, community-based organizations doesn't exist there because it's really illegal. Um, you can't just start a club or a nonprofit organization and undertake a task like teaching people about AIDS because it's against the law. Um, they have, for the most part, looked the other way because they had, didn't want to deal with with the gay thing, and they felt that um, this particular group of people wasn't criticizing them or doing them any harm. They were actually dealing with a problem in a very low-key, uh, non-threatening way. Uh, until about two weeks ago when most of the people in this group went to jail. Um, as mostly part of a, a vice sweep of, of brothels. There are seven brothels in, in um, Saigon staffed by young men, and, and my group does a lot of outreach there. They sit and they talk and they um, really do their training, their peer counseling inside the workplace. And so it was during these, these vice sweeps that, <clears throat> that um, most of these guys went to jail, um, which to us is very naturally demoralizing right now. Um, communicating with them is a very big problem. Um, so I don't even know everything that's happened. I'm getting little bits and pieces of, of the story with time, but um, I expect that, that at some point, like everything in Vietnam, the situation is going to change. Um, it's the only thing you can really depend on in Vietnam is that everything's going to change all the time. And that goes with, especially with official attitudes. Um, privately, uh, the people in government who deal with AIDS issues know there's a problem and know that they have to deal with it and are at the same time unwilling to do so publicly and really confused about how to do it privately. Yeah. Buddhist infrastructure in Vietnam and their attitude towards, towards the gay culture or, or what passes with the gay culture there. Uh, obviously, in the United States, Christians are, uh, are, are 
the main backbone of, of, of the anti-gay attitudes in this in this country. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about Buddhist attitudes in, in Vietnam towards towards homosexuality. Um, well, religious institutions in Vietnam have been pretty much emasculated in the past um, 30 years. Uh, the Catholic Church is, uh, although half the population of the South is is Roman Catholic, um, isn't a very strong social influence. Um, as far as the Buddhist community goes, I don't think... I don't think that there are really any strong social influences against the, the growth of this new gay uh, subculture, this new gay community. Um, I think the the family unit is, is as part of Vietnamese culture is probably a stronger influence. Um, Young people, which is where this gay movement is coming from, we're talking about people in their in their early twenties, aren't strongly influenced by um, by any kind of religion because they grew up in a um, largely atheist socialist society, um, which leaves their parents and their grandparents with the very strong opinions about about sexuality and about family and about marriage and mostly about children. Um, in in Thailand, with the exception of a couple of a very vocal monks, um, I don't. I don't think there are really any strong anti-gay feelings. Um, and among many Buddhists there, there are, there are strong opinions that, that, um, that homosexuality should be condoned if not encouraged. And they point to um, a lot of scripture about There, there are some things in Buddhist teaching about, uh, or in Buddhist, in, in Thai Buddhist um, tales about the relationship of of Buddha with another uh, man, and that being just a, a natural part of of his life. The, the concept of of being gay in in Vietnam really doesn't even exist. It's a, it's a peculiarity and it's a curiosity for them to see openly gay men um, come into their country and find their women disinteresting and only want to spend time with their men. Um, so I don't think they've really clearly identified a um, an evil yet. Uh, I think that that's probably going to come as as the um, as the gay community grows there. Um, 
in in the South and in Saigon in particular, the the um, the number of gay and bisexual men is just immense. Um, in Saigon, there are six or seven very big discos that are packed every night. Um, absolutely packed. Um, they have parks. Um, but these discos that are packed, would men go back to their, their wives and children afterwards? Or, or well, not necessarily, uh, because I don't think older married men go to these places. Um, there is a... There is a um, there are a lot of young single guys who who go out and and uh, and have a great time every night. Um, I think at about the, the age of twenty five, um, a lot of them end up marrying women because if they don't, they go in the army. Um, and by that time, the the pressure from their parents is is so incredible that they relent, but they still have these relationships with other men on the side. Um, but for the first time, we're seeing people break away from that um, and who are identifying themselves as gay and by lifestyle and not just by behavior. I'm not sure where we are now. <laughs> Maybe maybe uh, maybe, yeah, like the 12, uh-huh. maybe you can open up for, for questions if people have any. That would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what, when you work with uh, these activists, uh, do you sense uh, Buddhist principles coming, or I mean, just they're, they're coming from atheists? I mean, the, the communist movement sort of eliminated that maybe for the last two decades. Uh, but do you see Buddhist sort of uh, consciousness or principles emerging as they address the issue or address the problems? No. No. Um, uh, Buddhist faith in in Vietnam has really largely disappeared, except in the countryside among old people. Um, I don't see a lot of young people having any kind of um, spiritual training. Um, I think the reactions that I see on the one hand among government people and on the other hand among um, among the growing community comes from a different place. I think um, certainly the government has a strong interest in public order and there's very conservative people in, in the regime there who I think approach this issue from um, a law and order and personal power instead of any kind of of religious conviction, unlike the Christian right here. Um, And among 
gay man, I don't, I don't see them organizing and building community for any reason other than wanting to be themselves um, and wanting to follow examples, frankly, that are coming to them from, from the West. I think this sudden building of and creation of community there is, is really, um, by following example, they see it's possible that, that, gee, I don't have to get married. I can have a boyfriend. Um, maybe someday I can even introduce my boyfriend to my mother. Um, I can have other gay friends. They see, they see the, the model that we've created for them. Um, and they try very hard to fit in. And I, I think that's the, the, the strongest need. Um, and the people I work with is is just to be themselves. Is there a difference with the heterosexual brothels as to um, condom distribution or protection or things like that? I've never been in a heterosexual <laughs> brothel. <laughs> and I wonder if there's, there's, they practice more safe sex than the male brothels. Well, prostitution is legal. In, in Vietnam. So there are no, it's illegal. Um, so there are, I'm gonna just guess about, um, about safe sex, but I would say because of, of the work that the government's doing and because of the work of these foreign NGOs, that condom use is really widespread. Um, you drive around Saigon and you see huge, pic- huge posters of condoms with happy faces painted on them. Um, um, the UN has subsidized uh, condom distribution programs to um, smaller local, local organizations so that they're available at you know less than a penny apiece. Just practically nothing. Um, unfortunately, uh, gay men are left out completely. Um, I take condoms with me every time I go. I have a huge bag that I call my condom bag, and I can fit 5,000 condoms in it. 5,000 condoms are really heavy, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and those. <laughs> um, of course, they're very curious when they. <laughs> when I yeah, when I arrive with <laughs> sixteen quarts of of lube and five thousand pounds, that lasts about two days. They're gone. Um, yeah. Is the HIV positive sex tourists who are spreading it among the gay population? Is that what you're saying? Um, well, I think I, I think the spread of the virus is coming from two places. First of all, it's 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 following its own path through Vietnamese culture from um, from first of all from IV drug users who were predominantly in the north um, 
who have moved on to um, um, heterosexuals who then have spread it to bisexuals. But I think the most alarming um, increase has been in in foreign introduction. Um, prostitution, although illegal, is very, very widespread. And there are tens of thousands of amateurs um, in Saigon in particular. Um, although it's a, although people have a, a great attitude and they're looking forward to the future, it's still the third poorest country in the world. Um, and a lot of people don't make $50 a month. Um, so there are a lot of guys looking for, for money and a lot of guys looking for tourists and they just don't know reaching these reaching these people with a safe sex message message is very difficult and unfortunately it's been very risky for the for the the volunteers who have been involved in this work um, the prostitution problem in Hanoi is is even greater because they're even more desperately poor in the north, um, and it's it's like everybody's a everybody's a prostitute there. It's amazing, um, an enormous um, percentage of the the young male population will um, consent to have sex with a visitor for money. It has nothing to do with sexuality; it just has to do with money. Um, Um, I have a, a a friend in Hanoi who is a cyclo driver. He's a cyclo is like a um, a three wheeled tricycle with a seat in the front, and the driver sits in back and pedals. And I've known this guy really since my very first trip. And he doesn't speak English, and my Vietnamese really sucks. But we managed to spend um, really wonderful times together. And for the most part, they've never been sexual. But in, in the times that they, the time that they did, um, I gave him a condom and he wasn't really sure what it was or which one of us was supposed to use it. And that's a very, very common problem. A lot of, a lot of men who are having, having sex with, with visitors for money or even with Vietnamese for money, um, don't have access to condoms. They don't have access to lubricant. Um, like I said, there is no, water-based lubricant manufactured or sold anywhere in the country. Um, so even if they do have um, condoms, if they're using baby oil or cooking oil, um, the integrity of, of the condom is compromised to begin with.
Um, how, how, do, how do Vietnamese gay men get information about gay culture in, in the United States? Do they get it through the internet or through tourists? And that's kind of confusing. Finding it through tourists or, or publications? Or? Um, well, as you might imagine, there's an enormous underground of information, and people, people will take a piece of paper with something printed on it, and it will pass through really hundreds of hands, and it will be duplicated um, perhaps thousands of times. Um, I think the, the biggest source of information about the outside world comes from VQ, which are foreign Vietnamese. You know, hundreds of thousands of Vietnam Vietnamese fled the country uh, in the last days of the war or since the war, and they have been living abroad in Europe and in the United States. And with the new openness of the country. Um, and the forgiveness of the government, they're going back. And they're taking a lot of radical ideas with them um, about economics, about fashion, and about many social issues, not the least of which is, is sexuality. Um, one of the fundamental problems that that AIDS workers face in Vietnam is that that in Vietnamese culture you can't talk about sex. It's just not it's not something that that people do easily. Um, and I think this has changed with a lot of Viet Q who are going back to see their families again. Um, after 20 years, 25 years, uh, and in many cases to stay or open businesses there. Um, they're introducing a lot of, a lot of foreign concepts. So, um, it's these outsiders, I think Vietnamese outsiders more than, than others who are introducing, uh, The, the concept of, of gay community there. I know we have a um, pretty good size gay Vietnamese population here in the Bay Area, and I know many of them go back regularly and have friends there, have relationships there uh, in the, with the people I work with there. Um, many of them have boyfriends from Australia who are Vietnamese, who are VQ. Um, um, foreign media, surprisingly, are not censored in any way. Unlike Singapore, you can buy you can buy the Wall Street Journal you know, or USA Today and Saigon a day old. Um, so a lot of Vietnamese are learning just by what they read. You had a question. Uh, yeah, I was just curious about whether uh, there had been, whether anybody has approached the Vietnamese government to try to get them to recognize this, or is that, is that in a realm of possibility? Well, yeah, I, I've been doing that a lot. Um, 
I I am able to, for some reason that I can't understand to see anyone I want just about. Um, and I have met with fairly important people in in the um, National AIDS Committee, in the Ho Chi Minh City AIDS Committee, and in the Ministry of Culture and Information, which is really the propaganda people, um, who deal with with AIDS-related issues. And um, fortunately, there are some very young, enlightened people coming up through the ranks who who someday are, are going to take a big part in, in reformulating attitudes. Um, and in, in private discussions, um, they are very concerned and they're very aware. Um, but that hasn't found its way into, um, into official attitudes yet. Um, I spent the day Thursday with uh, a doctor who was here for a conference who's um, a member of the National AIDS Committee. And um, he was completely unaware, really, of any kind of grassroots effort going on in Saigon. He was um, completely dumbfounded that that foreigners would have any interest in in developing solutions there um, and he even has gone so far as to to commit to he lives in Hanoi he's I'm going to take him to Ho Chi Minh City and meet with um, some local people who will hopefully take the the police heat off of of the volunteers there who were trying to do the work. Um, I, I unfortunately have to interrupt you because it's almost five minutes after me. I'm supposed to end. Okay. Good heavens. Any more questions? That's okay. I'll just do it after we Thank you very much. I hope I didn't just blab on and, and that I actually um, answered your question and, and, and gave you uh, some idea of what, what uh, I'm doing there. And I'm not the only one. There are others doing this too. But um, if you have other questions you'd like to ask, please do um, during the social time. Thank you very much for having me here. I um, it's wonderful to see so many people. And you've all been so quiet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.